Hello team, it's Pam here from Alt Marketing School. I have a question for you right now and that is what would happen if you could market to hearts and not brains? What would you think would happen if you knew that you could make the world a better place with positive impact marketing but putting purpose and results first? If you want to find out, then come and join us for the Alt Marketing Certification. Our six-week digital bootcamp for professionals who want to do marketing differently and advance their career along the way. Join me and our six incredible teachers to learn how to advance your career with confidence by applying effective systems and frameworks to the latest trends. The next cohort is coming up soon, so I would love to have you join us. And all you have to do is apply to join at altmarketingschool.com slash learn. Go to altmarketingschool.com slash learn to apply for the next cohort of All Marketing School certification. Hello and welcome to Make an Impact Show, a podcast run by Creative Impact Co. Our mission is to help creatives grow their business, hone their marketing, and share their stories via outstanding content. Hello back to us. Hi, Amy. Hi, Fab. How are you doing? I am fantabulous. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, excited for this chat. I am very excited as well, especially because I feel there's been a big decompression this week as also the magazine is out. I want to say the latest issue of the Creative Impact magazine is out before I forget about that. And every single time that we rush through that, I just feel like a big, gorgeous weight is lifted. So I also take this to say thank you again for all of your hard work for that one as well. I'm really excited about this issue, guys. So make sure that you check it out as well at creativeimpact.group slash magazine just in case it is a really good issue I'm excited for everyone to read actually and um yeah a lot of effort and love goes into them so yeah I hope everyone loves it very true actually loads of effort and loads of love and talking about love actually today we're going to talk to the amazing Simon Alexander Ong and we're going to talk about another aspect of the business that I believe we put a lot of love into which is that community aspect for events and because we're going to talk a lot with Simon about online events but also that proactiveness that comes I wanted to ask you actually because I think we have learned a lot in the past year and found best ways to make events engaging and I know we talked about it also in past episodes but what would you say from the events that we do in the collective and the bigger events are some of the things that yourself as a moderator, because obviously you are my key moderator, the queen, um, you find it's been really helpful also for you, but also for the speaker, oh, sorry, not the speakers, the, the attendees when it comes to these type of events. I think we've seen, so we've done a, a couple of big events online now, and I think they've been a blessing because it means that we've had people from overseas being able to log in. And that's been a really nice way to get a fresh perspective on things. Um, and one thing that's worked really well has been our networking sessions. So we kind of host those as like VIP ones and a smaller group, which is just a really lovely way to genuinely make connections and understand what people are going through, why they're here, what they want to get from us from this event. And that's something that's been really, really beneficial to our events and to their enjoyment as well. I cannot agree more, actually. You brought up such a great point 
because uh, when it comes to collective instead, again, our membership, also I found that these, we do office hours every Thursday and the fact that we keep it at the same time has been really helping creating that consistency. So we have at least three events a week that are every at the same time. Some of them are on Clubhouse, which by the way, you will hear about in this episode. So keep on listening. Um, but also the office hours is on Zoom. And as, as you mentioned, actually, Amy, that element of smaller groups, they usually like three to four people, they kind of join in for office hours, is really nice because it really allows people to talk, kind of share their experience, maybe their struggles, and get a bit of peer feedback, not just from me, but from other members as well. So I really find that it can almost go brings back that need for connection, which I think we have been missing a bit. I mean, right by now, I think we can easily say we've been missing a bit of that. Yeah, I definitely agree. And even in normal times, it's so good to bounce ideas off people. Like we're kind of, we're all creatives. We might be doing completely different things and in different spheres, but actually we all have something to contribute and listening to other people's opinions just can really open up our eyes to new ways of dealing with problems. Um, So yeah, I think that connection is just completely valuable. And sidelining between that and actually what we're going to talk about today today we are, i'm going to talk to the amazing alexander ong so simon is actually a coach is a motivational speaker he is also a international keynote speaker and what he does really is inspiring people to see the world differently and what he really wants is helping them unleash their deepest potential and what he does he works in groups in workshops he grows obviously with the coaching as well but you can really see how everything that he does is done with a great intention and he brought that intention from the offline world which is where a lot of his coaching and his events lived into the online world and I was really interested to see how he was able to adapt that and so I think you're going to learn so much from Simon today it's going to be such an exciting conversation and I cannot wait for you to hear it guys Thank you so much again, Amy, for being with me for this little introduction. And uh, I cannot wait to speak to you again next week. Hello, everyone. Hello, Simon. Hey, Fab. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you very much. You know what? For a second, I thought we were going to go for a screaming match. Hi, Simon. Hi, Fab. <laughs> Let's see how long we can go. But no, we're not going to do that to the poor listener. I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> what is going on? Um, but no, I'm very, very excited to have you here. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time to chat with me. I can only appreciate how how hectic life is. We were talking about it with family life, writing a book and still showing up online every single day. It must get... Um, how can I say this, Um, eventful, to say the least, in a time where people would not expect it to be so eventful, I suppose. No, definitely. And I think what it has taught me, Fab, is that when you are doing things that have importance to you, that have a purpose, that is aligned with what you value the most, actually, you always have energy for it. I'm always energized to show up each day to uh, do what I do best, to serve the people that I get the privilege to serve, and that is what gives me more energy. Uh, and if there's any time that that has shown to be true, it has been in the last year when we have seen some of the greatest challenges that humanity has ever faced. Oh my God, yes. And I could not agree more. It's just really like, it reminds you, I think, of the reason why we do what we do. And like, you know, if we can find yourself, if we can find the motivation and the energy, even in these times, it really shows uh, that, you know, you are on the right path, so to speak. So 
super excited and excited to talk about that actually because I know you've been up to a lot of different things and you know from the interviews and the lives that you've been doing so I'm excited to chat about that but first I wish there was a jingle but I'm not going to add a jingle to a brand new <laughs> introductory section yes guys Simon is um, beta testing and piloting with me so you're in for a treat um, is a one minute question so one minute answer for each question three minutes three questions just as an icebreaker just to loosen up to get things going we ready sounds good to me fab cool already uh question number one is what is the first job you had and what did you learn from it one lesson from the first job you had what was it and one lesson that you learned from it the first job i ever had was when i was in secondary school i took up a job to work at boots uh, which is the retail store we know and I worked in the photography department. So when people came to drop off their camera rolls back in those days, before we had digital cameras, um, I would give it to the team in the bank, they would process the film, and I would give that back to, uh, to the customer. If I was to pick up one lesson from the first job I had, uh, it would simply be learning the importance of hard work. You know, my parents urged me to find uh, work and the reason was is they wanted me to earn a living you know they didn't, they didn't want me to sort of live off pocket money or live off waiting for the birthday uh, money to come through if you will they told me that in life if you want to create something of meaning if you want to learn the quickest way to do so is to get out there is to get working and that is when life will teach you the skills and the lessons that those within the confines of the four rooms of a classroom can never do. I love that. And I think it's so important is that like, you know, teaching by doing and learning by doing as well, I suppose, which is so great. And I do, I do love that. I love that that was the first job. <laughs> uh, so, and also like hashtag throwback to camera rolls, y'all just saying, uh, that's awesome. Now question number two, we're going to get harder and harder, by the way, just <laughs> again, not to, not to scare you, but what is the best investment, £100 or less, ideally, that you have made in the last six months? What is the best thing that you bought as an investment, £100 or less, that you can think of in the last six months? Best investment, £100 or less. Uh, I would say the best investment was more from a personal side of things. It was a lot less than £100. And uh, I was very fortunate because this was uh, given to me via Instagram. Uh, it's from a follower who's been uh, following my work for a while. And uh, she runs a company with her sister, actually, uh, to help parents train their babies to get better sleep. Uh, and so that would by far be the best investment I've done in the last six months because it's given my wife and I uh, back the nights. It's given us back energy to... Uh, focus on our work, to focus on spending more time with each other, and also deepen the quality uh, of our baby's sleep. So uh, that for me has clearly got to be, Fab, uh, the best investment over the past six months. Wouldn't blame it. And obviously, if you feel comfortable, you can always send me the link afterwards. I might put it in the show notes because I think there might be some of your parents be like, please, Simon, please keep it to us as well. Uh, that, that's a great one. And actually, you know, investing in your sleep, whichever way, you can manage to get it back. <laughs> Sounds like a great investment. Totally. One of the things I learned, Fab, quickly is that every time your child gets sufficient rest, the world is okay. 
When they don't, it feels like the world is falling apart. And I think that is also very true for us. You know, when we get sufficient rest, we tend to be at our productive best. But when we don't, how can we expect ourselves to be at our productive best? I guess that reminds us, it's kind of like a great reminder without having to be told that sleep is good and good rest is good. It's a great reminder for us as well, because sometimes, you know, it's hard, it's easier when you hear it, you're like, yeah, yeah, I get it. But actually being able to see it for ourselves is a great reminder. Yeah, I love that. Now, last but not least, the hardest, but potentially the quickest one, because I think, you you know, if you have something good that comes out, go with your gut, Simon. Um, If I were to ask you, what would you choose as the trivia category that you'd be really good at and why? The trivia category that I would be most good at, I would probably say either personal development books or film. Uh, I'm a big film buff, so you know I've, I've been watching films, not just the Hollywood films, but world cinema, Uh, you know, from Asia to Europe to Latin America over the years. Uh, And also I've been reading personal development books since I was just a teenager. Uh, So I think if I had to pick one, it would be one of those, you know, either film or personal development books would be the category I think I would excel the most at. Would you actually try and help yourself by choosing a specific genre of movies? Because obviously with the, book, with the books, you're more on self-development. Or would yeah. you say, bring it to me, give me anything movie-wise, I'm going to rock it? If I had to go even niche in that, maybe films within the last within the last three decades, if I had to get more specific there. Yes, <laughs> I like that. Awesome. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much. That wasn't too bad, was it? Not at all. Not at all. Quite fun as well, actually. <laughs> Thank you. Again, it's always about trying new stuff anyway. And actually, on that note, trying new stuff, I wanted to ask you first and foremost, I know it's not necessarily that new, but I'm sure that you might have found a renewed uh, feeling for it. And I'm talking about, you know, the lives and the interviews that you've been mm. doing. I know that especially in the last probably year, now we can say, probably I've humped it up a bit more because we all have, you know, is an easier way to actually connect. So I wanted to ask you on that side of things, obviously people can go to your Instagram and see some of the snippets as well. Yeah. I know that you have them in your group, but I wanted to ask you, what have you either learned or observed by actually doing these in the past year? And how has it been supporting you with the communication and connection to your audience? So just to clarify, Fab, are you talking specifically about the lives, the group, or just how I've adapted because of what we've gone through in the last 12 months? Uh, let's go with the adaptation because I think that might come into actually the lives that I've seen you've been doing online as well. Definitely, definitely. So adaptation has been so important. You know, I've always talked about how critical it is to be someone that can adapt. You, you know, it's, uh, it's something that is said often because Charles Darwin, I think the quote is attributed to Charles Darwin in his book, The Fear of Evolution, said, it is not the strongest or the most intelligent that survive, but the most adaptable. Um, and there will always be events external to ourselves that we cannot control, whether that is a global pandemic, whether that is economic meltdown, uh, whether that is political change. There will always be something that is out of our control. Yet at the same time, there is always something that is within your control, that is within your influence. And it's about focusing your energy, your energy on those very things that are within your control 
because that is when we are empowered to take action. When we focus on those things that are not, we can get so caught up in our mind, in our thinking, that we end up thinking about our thinking about our thinking and actually don't take any action. But when we focus on the very things that we can, we unlock, if you will, that ocean of creativity, of inspiration. And, uh, and that's what helped me to adapt in those times. You know, as soon as the pandemic hit here in the UK, all the events that I was due to speak at FAP, they were either canceled or they were postponed. Yet fortunately, within a few weeks, some of those organizations came back and said, we are looking to adapt and hold all of these virtually. And that was amazing. That was a great blessing for me because it resulted in me delivering a lot of these sessions, a lot of these lives, a lot of these interviews, uh, a lot of these presentations from the comfort of my home without having to commute and allowed me to spend a lot more quality time with my daughter. That is true, actually. That's a, that's a very fair point as well. When I think about this, it's just, I think it's been really interesting as well to see how the biggest barrier that we had was the fact that people were not accustomed. Most people, some of us probably had a bit of a hybrid. We would have the odd Zoom meeting. We had the odd webinar, but obviously it wasn't the norm. So therefore the audience was probably the one that we needed to really sell it to in a way and just say, actually join us online because we can recreate that experience in a way. But because we were all forced to do it, it was interesting to see how obviously for somebody within your field where really your personality and your knowledge but also that the energy mm. is something that we really need to be able to provide i think being able to see that there are ways to be replicating it and then mm. refine that practice because that's also what i would like to ask you now mm. um has been a great thing as well and that's on that note actually i wanted to ask you uh, how have you noticed that the knowledge and the confidence and the expertise that you have in delivering, whether it's a workshop or mm. a talk to a live audience as translated into the online world? What have you seen that works the same or what have you seen that actually doesn't work that well? Therefore, you had to change it and adapt it. Sure. I would say that the key similarity, if I look at the similarities first and I look at the differences, the key similarity, Fab, is that you have to have energy. You, you know, when you are on stage in person, you are, I, I guess, I, I think of it like you're giving a performance. You know, why would people pay to see you live if they can watch what you do on YouTube or online? So in reality, what they're paying for is that performance, it's the energy that they feel from being in that same room with you. Now, if you are already good at delivering energy into that room, being present, giving value to those who have decided to listen to your words, that will clearly carry across well into the virtual world. I think the biggest difference between in-person and the virtual world is the intimate nature that you have between you and the audience. So if we look at the real world for a moment, when you speak to an audience, they listen to you for let's say 45 minutes or one hour or 90 minutes, and then they can ask you questions, but they have to wait till the end to ask you a question. So you have this sort of, I guess, silent interaction with them throughout the time you're on stage. They can't say anything to you. You can gauge their reactions, but you can only have that conversation at the end. Whereas online, I feel it's much more intimate. You know, I can see their questions in real time. I can see what they're thinking. I can see what people are posting and it allows me to adapt things 
depending on the questions they're asking. So I might be talking about a particular topic and then someone pops into the chat window and asks a question that I think is very important to address. And so I might shout out and say, Jane, that is a fantastic question. And actually, let me answer that by bringing out a personal example of when this happened to me. So it allows me to almost adapt elements of my presentation in real time. And I think that's where the uh, talk or the connection with the audience can be that much more intimate. And I love that you mentioned that because I think it's such a key aspect. And the reason why I want to say this is because I know that some people are wary or a bit overwhelmed at the idea of why would I keep keep doing these events online why would I keep showing up online if obviously there's more people you know there's more saturation understandably everybody's trying to make that dent and to create those conversations and I believe that as you said the small little things that you can do to make your audience feel part of that conversation and as you say tap into your energy and their adaptability goes back to what you just said their adaptability is key and I think this if people apply just what you said as a way to improve or adapt the way that they deliver events online bam boom drop the mic it will be awesome because uh, that's at least personally and that's my I guess my pet peeve that's what I sometimes miss when I am in the audience experiencing an event I'm like the little things that as you say we are thankfully allowed now because of the way the technology works mm. if you make if you make the most of that I mean you actually make master that you actually create that connection and I personally love that question on this actually do you do a lot of this yourself so you try to moderate and talk and do everything or you try also to have a moderator or some help just on a technical logistical level when it comes to bigger events and kind of more workshop style what do you think works best for you sure i think uh from my experience fab that always depends on the size of the event uh you know if for example the event is 50 to 100 then I'm happily to present and I can see the questions coming in. I can pick out what people are saying uh, and, and I can manage that fairly smoothly. Now, if you go beyond 100, then clearly it, it gets very different uh, because there's a lot more noise in the chat screen. And so, and, and often when I do more than 100, it tends to be hosted by a moderator or there's one or two people managing the chat screens and they can just highlight a few really good questions and pop them into a private chat that I can pick up on. So in a way, it acts like a filter. So they're doing the filtering for me. I then don't have to keep an eye on the public chat. I can just focus on the private chat and see what questions are being pasted into that screen. And I'll use that as a way to focus my energy rather than sort of get too distracted by all that noise constantly jumping up on the side of my screen. And actually, on that point, I wanted to note that just because people might be like, oh, my God, 100 people. How can you moderate 100 people? 100 pe I mean, I I'm paraphrasing. You could probably tell me if I'm right or wrong. But what I'm assuming is that we mean 100 participants, which usually means anyway, there's about 10% of people that are quite active anyway. So there's not 100 people showering in the chat, <laughs> going crazy, telling you, I love you. It's definitely, definitely. I think you have to keep that in mind. It's 100 participants. Uh, because not everyone will be listening actively. You have a percentage that are listening passively. They're probably not even watching the thing. They're probably just listening to it on their headphones like an audio book. Uh, there'll be a percentage of people who are actively watching and listening and writing down notes. Uh, there'll be a percentage of people that are just enjoying uh, being in the audience and will, won't ask a question or won't share their thoughts. And there'll be a small percentage of people who will be constantly in that chat screen. So it's not it's not 100 people one time constantly typing. 
it's 100 people involved in the actual uh, conversation, but only a small percentage at any given time uh, who will be active on the screen. Thank you for mentioning that. I just thought it would be a good explanation for everyone. And by the way, in case people are wondering, actually, I'm going to ask you, Simon, out of these people, who do you think, by the little knowledge, I mean, we know one another, but we're not actually for a while, if you think about it, but, you know, a bit. Who do you think I am? The active, the passive, the writing down fiercely in the chat? Oh, this is awesome. <laughs> I, I would say probably on the active side. Yeah, I'm usually the obnoxious one in the chat. Being, this is amazing, guys. I love it. I think is, and I actually, this is probably another question that I have. I think for me, it's because I am a lot in the other person's shoes where I have to do workshops every week. I have to do talks every week. I have to do group coaching every week. So I really know the importance and how nice it is to be able to have that feedback from the audience. So if I can provide meaningful feedback, obviously, not just randomness, I will. I don't know how you feel, actually. I wanted to ask you, when you are on Vexi and maybe you are a participant of some of these events and things like that, what do you really find that helps you as the audience mm. to better engage, retain the information and maybe make the most of the event as a participant? Because I think that's a skill in itself. Totally. I mean, from the perspective of a participant of the ones that I've been involved with, I think it's a combination of things. One is you've got to get involved. You, you know, as with anything in life, you get out what you put in. Uh, if you only show up 50%, how can you ever expect to get more than 50% back? So you've got to be fully committed. You've got to be fully present, block off all your distractions and invest the time into what you are signed up for. There's no point signing up for it and not really showing up. You know, so that's the first thing is get present, get involved, get invested in what you have signed yourself up for. Uh, second is, yes, have a notepad and pen at hand. Uh, there's a great quote by Tim Ferriss that goes, I trust the weakest pen over the strongest memory. And that is because unless you write your insights, your thoughts and your ideas down as a result of watching something that is educational for you, it is very easy to forget it quickly by the time you wake up the next morning. And so even if you do nothing with it for weeks, at least you have captured your thoughts in that moment. So if you go back, you can revisit what your takeaways were. And it might not be the right time now, but I'm sure there will come a time when you will want to know what your takeaways were from that seminar or that presentation. And third, I would say, is also interact with other people involved in a presentation or talk. You know, just like if you were attending an in-person event, you wouldn't just go and you sit down in the corner where no one can talk to you and listen to the speaker. When you go to an event in person, you want to get to know other people who probably think the same as you, who are on the same wavelength, who have similar ambitions. So, you know, also see who else is engaging uh, in that chat box on that screen, maybe drop them a private chat, maybe connect with them afterwards on social media. You know, we tend to underestimate the impact that that can have. We so often just go and listen to the speaker, but how about the other people who are in that same room as us? Uh, so I think those would be my three things I would share for. And I love that because it actually goes back to that idea of still creating that experience and kind of like really kind of consolidating. There was a great, I don't remember where I heard it actually, but I was listening to a podcast and what they said is that it was so interesting to see with the rise of the online events, people, for example, they go to a virtual conference or like a series of days 
you know, because you don't have to worry about travel, you don't have to worry about staying, you actually are starting to learn and retain information in the same place where you would apply the information Mm -hmm. instead of saying, you know, I've been in this bubble for four days, I get excited and I go back home and I'm like, everything goes. But because you're in there, you can actually implement it a bit more. So I think it's a really, really interesting point that you're making that. And I can see how that can be a lot beneficial as a participant as well. Definitely, definitely. Now, I'm going to ask you something that you might not know too much about, so let me know if you're not too sure about it, but I think it would be a really interesting mini, mini debate, quick debate about a new thing coming up by the time people are listening to this, it's probably still going strong. Mm. Have you heard of Clubhouse? Yes. Okay. Because of, obviously, the type of work that you do, the type of energy that you put out, it's audio content, just to explain to the listeners mm. who might be like, eh, what, what <laughs> that? <laughs> some point everybody will be like oh yeah clubhouse i'm still waiting for my invite anyway so i've done a bit of research because that's my job is marketing and so clubhouse came up a couple of months ago kept in my radar and then it just skyrocketed in the last 20 days probably a variety of reasons anyway if you don't know it is a new kind of social network style content what they do as an app is they provide sort of a in-house kind of private experience in the way that is invite only and it's done with rooms by the way I'm in now and it's confusing. I'm just going to say, as it stands, it takes you a while to figure out what's going on. But the rooms are basically places where people, speakers and moderators can talk and can allow a member of the same room to talk. Somebody mentioned it as an interactive podcast experience. Mm. So this is the context we probably don't know what it is. Pretty sure you might have an idea already. From an external perspective, again, I'm quite external anyway. What are your thoughts on it? What are your thoughts on this type of connection? If I were to say, when you heard about it, if you look into it, what are your thoughts on this? Because I think there's some interesting telling ways about how people are going to connect more and more online. Sure. I I think it it sounds fantastic. Uh, First thing to note, though, is I don't use it uh, at the moment. I may come to use it, but there's a good reason why I'm not using it at the moment, because I'm, as you know, Fab, I shared with you, uh, before we went live is that I'm focused on finishing my book at the moment. So any potential distractions coming up, I'm putting them to one side. I may come to it later, uh, but for the moment, I'm I'm not getting involved at all uh, on, on Clubhouse. But I can understand why it has taken off. You know, the beauty of audio, when you can only listen to someone and even yourself, is you don't have to worry about making yourself up or dressing up nice or what you're going to look like on camera. It's very raw. You know, it's literally just your voice and it's very difficult to judge anything from just your voice. So in a way, you're getting the essence of people's thoughts all in all in one platform. At the same time, I think as with any social media app or anything online, we also have to be very conscious as consumers not to be distracted by it as the next sort of shiny object syndrome, if you will. You you know, yes, uh, if you use it, use it. It's it's a great tool, just like the TikToks, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the LinkedIns, the Twitters, and so on. But you want to make sure that you keep the most important things, the most important things. Uh, Don't get suddenly sidetracked. I know many people who have started using it have said hours have been lost on it. You know, they started to move from room to room to room, participate, hold their own room. And before they know it, a week's gone. And all those things they wanted to do at the beginning of the week, they've now had to push back. And part of me thinks, I mean, it's probably a bit of humorous thinking on my part, but part of me thinks I wonder when the first divorce papers will be filed because of Clubhouse. (laughs) 
legitimate reason is like too much time on Clubhouse. Yeah. He just talks to his phone or her phone more than he talks to me as well right now. Um, but that actually, that's thank you for sharing. That's the reason why I asked you because I wish I actually had a conversation like this when TikTok launched and I was people trying to figure out TikTok because I think it's good to have these conversations and just have a reminder, as you just rightfully said, that any tool can be a great tool and any tool can be a hindering tool because it can be a distraction. So it's really understanding what do you want to hone? What do you want to focus on? And my excuse is that I'm a marketer. Therefore, I like to understand and study and research. But if something really doesn't, is not where I want to be, I try and understand it. I try to see what it is and then I move on. And I'm ha- I'm quite happy with that. But again, it's just that mindset. And I think it's really interesting to always remember that. Obviously, you have a book coming out. So again, even more <laughs> important to actually give that they are the baby i call my books babies so that's why i call them like baby um now i got now you got one on the way as well so you know i do appreciate that and again for people that are interested anyway it is interesting to see by the time you're listening clubhouse might still probably still be going and then we'll see where it goes next but it really shows that people are finding different and new ways to connect and there's always that, as you say, I think that craving for rawness and simplicity that was started with TikTok, it's just showing more and more and more what the type of content that people consume. So that's definitely something that I agree on. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, I have a question just before I ask you the last question. I have a bit of a question about the book. First of all, what can you tell us? Yeah, because I know it's still a bit like in, on, on the way. What can yeah. you tell us about it right now? And also, what is one of the biggest misconceptions that you had in your mind before you actually started writing, if any? Sure. So in answer to the first question, I can share a little bit, but uh, more will come in due course, especially if you follow me on social media. Uh, your news of that will come out later in the year once we've moved to the uh, marketing phase. But in essence, the, the book is around energy management. Uh, it's, a, it's around understanding how we can better manage our energy. So we create the base to create a fulfilling life. You, you know, what we don't realize is there's so many things going on in our life that are leaking energy. And unless we can patch those holes up, we can't focus our energy on what is most important. Because if we want to progress or we want to accelerate closer to our dreams or our vision of what we want to manifest, it's not always about adding. You know, we always think it's about adding, trying a new strategy, um, adding something new to our schedule. But in more cases than not, it is about eliminating or taking away the things that are stopping us, the behaviors that are preventing us from moving forward. So we have the space, the clarity and the energy to focus on what is most important. Uh, And so the book will be focused around these elements. You know, how do we ignite or elevate our energy uh, in terms of getting us into a high state or uh, a state that allows us to take on whatever challenges come our way. How do we then channel our energy or direct our energy in a productive way? And then how do we recharge ourselves? And that last part is something not many of us do too well, is how do we recharge ourselves? Because it's like a, it's like, you know, a smartphone or, or a gadget we have. When the battery goes to zero, you can't use it. And it's the same with us. When your battery is at 0%, how effective are you? And so it's about prioritizing time for you to recharge your own batteries so that you can thrive, not just survive. Love that. That's great. Now, second question. 
Um, any misconception, anything that you learned so far as you were writing as well? By the way, probably one of the books that people need the most right now. Let's say that. <laughs> let's add that. <laughs> Managing our energies, yes. Double yes. Recharging, triple yes. Uh, but yeah, what, what has this book taught you so far? I think aside from parenting, it has certainly been one of the biggest challenges I've, I've ever faced. Uh, simply because the longest thing I've written before this was a caption for a social media post or a newsletter. So to go from that to 60, 65 plus thousand words, that is a big jump. You know, that is a, that is a big challenge. So I think for me at the beginning, I thought, you know, if I've done a newsletter, if I've done a caption, you know, I, I can kind of transfer a lot of that experience of writing to, to doing a book. But no, it's a very, very different beast. It's a very different beast. It requires more planning than you've ever done before. And it challenges you to structure your thinking. You know, there's a difference between structuring your thinking to deliver a 20-minute presentation than it is to deliver a book, which might take people hours or days to read. Uh, you really got to understand that reader's journey. And so that, for me, took a lot longer than I had imagined, the research part, if I will, you know, to understand the stories I wanted to include, the uh, takeaways, the exercises, how to then bring all of that together. Uh, I think that process took a lot longer than I'd first thought. And you know what? It's really good that you mentioned that because obviously there's the element of the writing that people might feel like is quite daunting. But I do believe that really understanding the power of what you just mentioned, that structure and that journey it's so key and obviously both of us work with publishers mm. and I would say that one of the good things by the way you can also do it if you do it yourself is having somebody like a copy editor or something that can really mm. help you looking at the book from the outside perspective you can be the best writer in the world or the most accomplished best on a voice but it still is your own you know train of thoughts that you put on paper and you try and structure so I say that one of the things you can invest in and it's great for time as well is the help of somebody just being able to look at the full thing as you're going together and say, okay, I get what you're trying to say, but I'm not getting it. So how can we make it even clearer? So I think it's really important that you mention that because it's not just putting the things down into paper and doing the research, it's also making it coherent so that the, the, the reader can follow you through that journey in the mm. most effective way and get the most out of it. So it's so important. Totally, totally. Now, the last question, <laughs> even harder then our brand new icebreaker questions. Are we ready? <laughs> Go for it. Hit me, Fab. Awesome. If you were to have brunch with anyone, any person, dead or alive, who would this person be? Only one person. Now, I can see why it's tough now because there's so many people. As soon as you asked me that question, Fab, uh, there were so many people that came rushing, rushing into my head there. Dinner party. No. <laughs> <laughs> But if I had to pick just uh, one person, the first person I think I would pick would be Bruce Lee. Um, and, and not for the reasons people may think. Uh, not because you know, he was a famous actor or because he's one of the most well-known martial artists that has ever lived or graced our screens, but for his philosophical mind. Uh, the way that he was able to codify human behavior and thinking and to explain it in analogies that allowed any man or woman to get the essence of the message like that. And I would just enjoy spending that time with him to further understand how he saw the world. 
Uh, he was a student of philosophy. I mean, the martial arts is first, but a student of philosophy. And uh, I, I think just having that time to bounce ideas, to debate certain topics, and to get deeper into some of life's simplest principles uh, would be an incredibly good use of my time. That sounds like a great brunch guest and a great brunch. <laughs> I, I definitely love that answer. Thank you so, so much. Thank you for taking the time, first and foremost, let's say that. Always a pleasure to chat to you. Always a pleasure to get inspired by you as well. And if people want to find out more about you and want to get their little healthy stilking on, where should they go? Sure. Well, the first place that you can visit to find out more about the work I do is my website, which is simonalexanderong.com. If you are on social media, I am at simonalexanderong on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, also, you can connect with me on LinkedIn or YouTube if those are the platforms you use. Uh, so feel free to drop me a line if you have a message after listening to this conversation with the brilliant Fab. Uh, and I look forward to getting to know you further. Thank you so much again. Thank you, Fab. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to check our show notes for more juicy goodness about this episode. If you loved it, please take some time to give us five stars on iTunes. And make sure that you let us know your ha-has and takeaways on Instagram at Creative Impact Co. Also, you can find out more about us on our website at creativeimpact.group.